children, how many children are in the room? If you're a child age, like under 12, stand up. Stand up, you guys. All the children stand up, so I want to see you. There you go. Look, there's lots of kids. Okay, now, oh, wait, yeah, and grandparents, you get to hold them up. This, yeah, give them a hand. Yay, kids. Next Sunday, you, you might have got one of these in the mail. For Christmas Eve service Sunday morning, we're going to let our kids act out the nativity for us. And they're having a practice this Wednesday night at what time, Sharon? 6 p.m. if you want to come for that. But if you're not able to come to the practice, the kids still get to be in it. And uh, it's going to be cute because my granddaughter's in it. And your children and your grandchildren are in it. And it's going to be really fun. So next Sunday morning is going to be a little bit special. We're going to do that with the kids. They're going to stay in here the whole service. They're not going to go back to History Makers because... The nativity scene's the big part of our Christmas Eve morning service. And then, of course, Christmas Eve night at 5 p.m., we, have, uh, we do a very traditional, very meaningful communion, candle lighting, Christmas carols, Christmas Eve service at 5 p.m. next Sunday. So you're welcome. We all invite you. You're invited to come. It'll be a really good time, okay? So children, history makers, their teams at the back door, which happens to be Mr. James. And uh, I'm so excited. We have James and Chris both, two men on our history makers team. They take turns um, leading our kids at History Makers, and History Makers is what we do, the children do, while us old people are in here listening to me or somebody else, so you guys get to listen to me today, but today's about an interaction. Uh, I do love, I love, uh, of course, you can't follow Jesus and not love what happened 2,000 years ago when we celebrate his birth, right, and uh, that's just a traditional nativity scene, but uh I want to talk today about what does this have to do with us? What does Christmas today have to do with us celebrating Jesus' birth 2,000 years ago? And so we're going to look at uh, something, and there's something, so uh, pay attention to, uh, to this, okay? Whoa, I did it again. I was trying to turn the volume up. It didn't work. Y'all know this song, right? This is the bipolar Santa Claus. Now, what's my deal about that song? 
You see, I just want to point out something. A lot of times Christmas has gotten twisted up in our minds. And we actually have westernized it. Like we've created this picture because obviously Santa Claus becomes a picture of God. And we painted this picture that what really determines whether you get presents, whether God pours out his love on you, is whether you're naughty or nice. And I just want to challenge your thinking. You see, that's not who God is. That isn't who Jesus is. That's, what the, that's how we think in the Western world. Well, that isn't who God says he is. And I just want to challenge you to that. And this is who God says he is. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14 And we have seen his glory, glories as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, what Christmas is all about is God himself, in order to reestablish his relationship with us, he sent his Son to the world to be born a man. And God took his self... God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God himself lives inside of Jesus. God, the eternal God of all eternity and all the universe, forced himself down into a place where he could come and live inside of a human body, a flesh, just like ours. And what we celebrate is that was the beginning of everything. That changed everything everything when Jesus came to our world and was born in the flesh and he didn't he didn't just dwell among us he became fully human the incarnation took place that morning 2,000 years ago when Mary allowed the Holy Spirit to to plant his seed inside of her and she gave birth to a son now I love that song Mary did you know y'all know y'all heard that song right did you know your little boy was going to be savior to the world? Did you know your little boy was going to give his life for the many? Did you know your little boy was the light of the world that the enemy could not stop? Did you know your little boy was going to set humanity free and, and pay the penalty for sin? Mary, did you know that? All of a sudden, you see, Christmas is about Jesus. And I think sometimes we get confused and we make it about us. And we make it about whether we're good or we're bad. And Christmas isn't about that. It's about Him. His birth brought light to the world. And He overcame darkness. And He overcame sin. And He overcame death. And He overcame disease. He became the person. You know, the truth is, a lot of us do, we live by that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's how we live. We judge ourselves by the standards that we created and we say that we're no good. We say that we're bad. You know, we sang that song earlier about Jesus came and he touched the leper. You see, and a lot of us feel like lepers. We have a long list of our insecurities, our inefficiencies, our what we did wrong or what we didn't do. And we hold that list up. And when we hold that list up, why would God care about you? You know, Santa Claus doesn't give gifts in that. If you looked at the pictures in that deal, Santa Claus frowns. And he, at the last picture in that whole, that little song that we sing, it's so innocent song. I love the tune. I hope it sticks in your mind. And I hope you think every day, you know, this isn't about being naughty or nice. Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. And he set you free. 
This is about what he did, not what we did. And we, we turn this around and we try to manipulate our behavior from the outside in. Do you know what God's word says? It says that out of the overflow of the heart, a man speaks. What we do comes out of where we're at inside. It's not the outside stuff. It's what's going on in here. And we focus on the outside stuff. And that's not, what, that's not the truth. That's not what God looks at. And so last week I looked at some verses two weeks ago. And I want to go back through those verses. But I want to get somewhere. Because uh, you guys, y'all don't know this. You really don't. But y'all are some of the most giving, wonderful, amazing people in the world. You really are. And you don't realize all the ways that Jesus brings his, world, his life to the world through you. By serving, by giving, by working, by patience, by being kind, by loving people. There's a thousand different ways that you change the world. And so a couple weeks ago we looked at these verses because I want Christmas to be about Jesus, not about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of right and wrong. That's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Jesus and what he did, not about me or you and what we did. That's not what it's about. Our focus, the enemy wants us to focus on our past, our wrongs, our lacks, our inefficiencies, the things we don't say right or don't do right. The enemy wants us to focus on those things. Well, you know what? He got Eve to focus on those things and Adam he said, hey guys, I've got this great idea. You'll be a better person if you just know everything you're doing wrong and you know everything you should be doing right. You'll be a better person. And guess what? That's when Satan took over the world. And Jesus laid his life down to, to right that wrong from thousands of years ago. But somehow we think that if we point out everybody's wrong and we tell them what they're doing bad and we punish them for doing bad, that will change their behavior in the future. Listen, it doesn't work. Look up the American penal system and look up the statistics and see if it helps ever change someone's behavior. It has 0% success rate. I don't change because you threaten me. As a matter of fact, if you're like me and you're like Gary Patterson, if you threaten me, I'm going to do it anyway. Don't tell me I can't. That doesn't work for my personality. But you know what changes me? It's in here. It's when I stand back and God says, Alan, that's not who you are. You're loving and you're kind and you're patient and you're gentle. I'm like, God, you know I really am. You care about people. Yeah, I do, God. That's who you really are. Alan, you know who you really are? You, lo you love to serve. Yeah, I do. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be king. I want to, I want to be, I want to serve. And when you begin to share with your children who they really are, or you share with your neighbor who they really are, it releases the power of God inside of them. And then it becomes God working and not them. It's by his spirit, by his strength, not ours. But you see, we grew up in a Western world that we're, we think the opposite way. And we think that song is okay. It's not okay. Painting a picture that God is not going to bless you because you've been naughty is the Antichrist. And it isn't in the Holy Spirit. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the, it's not in the God. It's not who Jesus is. Jesus is not bipolar. Neither is God. 
He's not. That song is a bipolar Santa Claus. You should be scared to death because if you're naughty, you ain't getting squat. You're going to get coal or what, lumps of coal in your stocking or whatever? No. You know what a good dad does? Well, you're going to see it. I've got a scripture for you this morning. It's going to challenge your mind. I want that song to go over and over in your head. I'd play it again, but it sounded so bad. I didn't do it right. But uh, go look it up. You can play the song. Hey, do y'all know something really exciting besides that? How many of you guys uh, went to Harding University? Raise your hand. One, two, just two of y'all today? We usually have several people that did. Harding University down at Searcy, just... 20 miles from here, they won the NCAA Division II National Championship in football this week. I know. I was like, get out of here. I played on a football team that beat Harding. I'm like, I wasn't that good. Uh, and so I went on the internet last night, and I looked up on YouTube. You should go look at it. If I'm not a football fan. I'm really not at all. But uh, I was like, gosh, they won a national championship, little Harding University. And uh, and so I went and looked it up and looked up the post-game interview with the coach. And uh, if you haven't looked at that, go look it up. They had the coach and two of the stars on the team getting interviewed by the press. And it will not make the national news. It was the most amazing interview of a coach I've ever seen in my whole life. He gave more honest glory to God and more wisdom in that little 10-minute speech he gave than I've ever seen a coach do. Because the truth is, I, I personally don't like football. But uh, he said, listen, our team isn't about football. Our number one goal was never to win the national championship. It was to honor God and to live a life with excellence and bring glory to Christ. And he said, our culture is what's important. And we began, we began day one, we lived this way. And a fruit of living with Jesus is going to be national championships. In your life and my life, threatening you is not going to change your behavior. How you live your life with God is what will change your behavior. And Christmas is all about that. Jesus came and God himself somehow forced himself into the body of a little baby who became fully human. And in that little baby's skin, God was able to release his power and his love and his everything in earth. And today we're doing that. So this is how Jesus looks at us, right? I read this verse two weeks ago. I want you to get this verse. It's John chapter 1, verse 9. This is what Christmas is about. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world didn't know him. Isn't that the truth? Until he was 30 years old, they didn't know who in the world Jesus was. He was a guy from Nazareth who was born without a dad in rumors and accusations in a poor town to a poor family, and his stepdad Joseph died when he was young the man had a tough life he was a carpenter he worked hard every day and the Jewish world working hard was 12 hours a day six days a week that was their normal work day that wasn't unusual that's how Jesus grew up 
He worked 12 hours a day, six days a week. He was the oldest in his family, and his dad had died. Some of you are orphans, and you know what it's like to be an orphan, to not have prestige, to not have a dad you can point to that will back you up. That's what Jesus' life was like. And then the Bible said nobody recognized him. And then he came to his own people. He came to his nation. He came to his family, and they didn't receive him. Some of you know what that's like. You know what it's like to not be received. You're gifting who you are, your, your character, your personality, maybe the way you look or the way you talk. You know what it's like to have be looked at and not accepted, to not be the in crowd, to not be on stage. You know what that's like. That's who Jesus was. But to those of us who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. Do you know what Christmas is about? It's about Jesus was born. God himself became a man the day Jesus was born. And you know what happens to those of us who choose to believe in him, that choose to receive his name? We become God's kids too. See, it's called the incarnation. That's what they call that. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten son. Jesus was the only begotten son. But when you believe in him, you become a son too. And the same God that lived in Jesus' flesh comes and lives inside of you. And that was where that, that word skene, right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is the word skene. It's the word we get skin from. In the, in the Greek language, it meant tent. God came to live in this tent. Remember in the Old Testament when Moses came out of, the, the, out of Egypt? He, God said, make a tent and I'll dwell in the tent. The same word there. You know whose tent God dwells in today? Yours. <laughs> he looks like you. He's in your tent. Because you've been born again. You received Jesus' name. You believed Him. We're all here because we believe Jesus was the Son of God. And we believe He defeated the enemy. And He set captives free. And we believe He came to touch the people like us. And He lives in us. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, with us, in us. And we've seen His glory. You see what happened, I believe, at Harding University. When I trust what that coach said. I watched him and I watched his the guys with him on stage. And I'm like, you know what? This man means what he's saying. I, he may not be all, all the end all. I don't, that doesn't matter to me. But I'm telling you, he painted a picture. It's not about the gift. It's about him. And when we kept Christmas and we made it about the gift and we take life and we make it about the gift, we forget it's not about the gift. It's about my relationship with him is what determines everything. And that's what that man brought to the Harding University, to their football team. And uh, they went out and won a national championship with a bunch of young men who believed their coach. Coach, I believe that. I'm going to give my best and I'm going to do this the best I can for Jesus. Whether I win or lose doesn't matter. That's how I play the game. You know what? Christmas isn't about whether you win or lose on Christmas morning. It's not about the gift. It's not, it never was about the gift. It's about Christ in you and in me. 
Now, you know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to make you not believe that. He wants to take that away from our church, from the church, the body of Christ. He wants to take that away from us and make us believe that it's all about what we do, not about who we are. It's, no, it's about who we are because God lives in you. And uh, you're his dwelling place now. He tabernacles with us. That's the word tent, skene. And so then it says, Ephesians 1, 3, May praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in sight. How many people in here are holy and blameless in God's sight right now? Raise your left hand. Uh, only some of you got that. Left hand, right? Okay, everyone in the room, raise your left hand if you're not paralyzed. I'm looking, you all got to do it. Bill, raise your left hand. Thank you. Jesus, help these guys. You know why? That's how hard it is for us to believe that's true. That's sort of hard for me to raise my left hand. My shoulder's not very good, but I'm going to get it raised because this is true. You know, your battle is believing that what Jesus says about you is true more than what you believe about you is true? Especially if you're smart or you're sensitive or you're gifted. You judge yourself more than anybody else. Well, I can list all the things that I do wrong and I can tell you what I messed up yesterday. Why, this morning I drank a fifth of whiskey before I came to church and I, and I was watching porn at the same time I was drinking it. And then I put on my makeup and I came to church. <laughs> Y'all thought I was talking about a man, didn't you? Or maybe I was. Maybe it's a cross-dresser. I don't know. But do you know what God believes about you? What Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who gave His life for the sins of the world, believes about you? He believes this. That before He created the world, which was before any of you lived, even you old people, before he did it, he said he chose you and he made, he made you holy and blameless. It, ain't, it, it just doesn't have anything at all to do with you. I'm sorry. Scripture says he made you holy and blameless. And you know what will bring that, the fruit of that in your life is when you start believing it. It's all by faith. Metanoia, it's agreeing, you think the same way God thinks. It's repentance, that's what repentance means. I know I used to think I was scum, but God, I, I, I believe you. Yeah, but you still got mud all over your face. That doesn't make you a pig, it just means you got a dirty face. <laughs> See, isn't that how we think? Going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is going to beat the living out of you. <laughs> no, that's not the Jesus from Scripture. That's a Jesus the Western world created to control your behavior. It doesn't control your behavior. I bet no one in here has ever broken the speed limit before, have you? You know, they threaten you. Matter of fact, if you run a stop sign, I know what it costs, $200. <laughs> Is that going to keep you from running stop signs? 
Nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tim, he's, yeah. How about if they take your driver's license away? That'll stop you from ever driving again, won't it? No, I'm not going to point out the people in here who've driven without a driver's license. There's more than a few. Threats don't change me. Me lining up, thinking, believing the way God believes changes me. And God believes you're holy and you're blameless. Why don't you fight that battle? And, you know, those of us who are antichrist will try to convince you you're not holy and blameless. Because that's the spirit of the antichrist. Jesus was fully man. And he never disagreed with his dad. He had a hard time trusting him, just like we do. But he made it, and he trusted his dad. So I, I'm, I want to get to a verse here. So you all know this verse, Ephesians 3, chapter 3, verse 14. Uh, once again, the Scripture's telling us who we are. He said, uh, Paul said this. Paul, you know Paul was amazing, the Apostle Paul. I kneel humbly in awe before the Father, our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you what that means is, unveil is, my eyes are covered, I can't see, and now I can see. Paul said, God, I'm asking you to help us see. What does he want us to see? The unlimited riches of his glory and favor. That's what God wants you to see. That's what he wants me to see. His favor and glory that he wants to lavish on us. And when we see the way God sees, guess what happens? Supernatural strength floods your innermost being with His divine might and explosive power. Do you want more? Do you need more? Are you hurting? Are you... Yes, yes, yes to all those. I need more. My life's not perfect. I need more. Sometimes I'm sad. Sometimes I'm disappointed. Sometimes I'm hopeless. Sometimes I'm frustrated. Sometimes I see things I can't help and I, I want to help. I need more. I need His divine might and His explosive power. You know when that happens? When, verse 17, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released, released deep inside of you and the resting place of His love will become the very source and root of your life. You know our battle? is to quit trying to be good enough and to believe He made us good enough. That's our battle. And it's in rest. In the resting place of His love. Man, we don't know that. Well, Alan, don't you need people to work at the church? Uh, no, I need the power of God to work at the church. And that happens when we rest. You see, uh, Colossians, it says, in Christ... You see, we, 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 we've lost the focus of Christmas. The Christmas is about the amazing, over, super abundance of Christ to us, in us, and through us into the world. And we lose that. He's the head over every power and authority. Who is? Jesus is. And how does it happen? By constantly, verse 17, by constantly using your faith. Guys, do you believe 
that what Jesus did is enough for you? Or do you believe you've got to add to it? You've got to do better? Or is it all about Him? Or is it all about you? Paul said it's by constantly using your faith. Now, this is my whole point. I, got, I did, that was a long introduction. Uh, I believe we have to get those verses. We've got to get this understanding. Um, then Jesus told them a parable in Luke chapter 11. And he did this right after teaching the Lord's Prayer. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. It, then he taught this. And this is what I want to talk about because I believe this is us. I believe every one of us is found in this story. And Jesus said, guys, suppose you had a friend who came to you at midnight because you had friends come in from out of town. You had a family came in from out of town. They came to your house. They showed up with unexpected. They didn't call you or text you or anything. They're unexpected and they got a bunch of kids and they're tired. They got no money and they're hungry and they show up at your house. See, they didn't plan. They didn't give you any warning. They really don't deserve anything. But they show up at your house wanting to spend the night with you and you've got nothing, no food in the house. Well, shame on you. You should keep food in your house, right? You'd feel bad. Now, you live next door to me. Guys, I go to bed. I'm asleep by 10 every night if I can. And you know what? I don't have any outside lights, and I've got an imaginary dog. There's this tape recorder that if you knock on my door, it's going to be the worst sound of barking you've ever heard. I don't want you to come to my house at 10 o'clock at night, and I'm going to judge you for not having food at your house. I mean, you know why I've got food at my house? Because I worked. And I saved money and I went to the grocery store. I bought food. I have food at my house. Yeah. And why don't you have food? And you knock on my door because you have a friend who needs food. And I'm like, nope. I'm in bed with my kids. We're all sleeping. You deserve it. And your friends, they deserve it too because they should have planned ahead for this trip. What are they doing going on a trip with their children? They don't have food or money or anything. Sorry. You deserve what you get. Naughty or nice. You should live by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Those guys messed up. They're just going to have to suffer. The kids are going to have to suffer. No. What kind of person would I be? If I didn't give you the food. Three loaves of bread. Now Jesus tells that story right? Now in that story. The guy that's being woken up to ask for food. That's God. Because you know it's God. Because Jesus tells to finish the story. He says don't bother me. Me and my kids are in bed. Verse 8. I tell you even though. Now where are you in this story? You're the friend who's come to get food for your friends. That's who you are. That's who I am in the story that Jesus is telling. Jesus said, even though he'll not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, because of your shamelessness, 
He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. You see, God, Jesus is trying to teach us a story about who God really is. You know that word shameless? When you look that up and you start understanding what that's saying, you know what? The opposite of shame comes from judging yourself. Shame becomes not, it's, you know, guilt is when you're, you feel bad about something you did. That's guilt. Shame comes from your, you feel bad about who you are. I, uh, shame comes from being dissatisfied with who you are. Shame comes from being unhappy with who you are. Shame comes from being disappointed in yourself. And shame is a horrible thing. It's a painful feeling and it leads to emotional distress, sometimes to the point of despair. By not being good enough or measuring up with an associative meaning of having the disapproval of those around them. Shame is a deep inner problem, and it's a pain that really does lead to hopelessness and despair. Shame was what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 25. Adam and Eve is bought his wife. Adam and Eve, Adam and his wife, that's it. Adam and his wife, Genesis 2.25, were both naked. That means the way they talked, the way they thought, Everything about them was fully exposed. The way they think. Maybe they didn't have food in their house. They were totally naked and they felt no shame. You know when shame came in? You see, if God needs us to... You know how God answers prayer? You need bread for your friends. You need bread for your family. You need bread for yourself. You need bread for your neighbors. You need bread for the people in the world that you care about. Maybe it's homeless people. Maybe it's the people at work. Maybe it's uh, disabled veterans. I, I see you guys caring for people all the time. It may be just somebody you just met, and you actually care about them. Do you know what determines whether or not God himself will move in their life and bring them bread? Is you being shameless. Well, Alan, uh, I am ashamed of myself. There's a lot of things about me that I disapprove of. There's a lot of things about me that I, I'm unhappy with. There's a lot of things about me that I'm disappointed in. You see, you know what the battle is? God says that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He says that you're in Christ, that you are perfectly created for His presence. That's who God says you are, but the world... The darkness is telling you that being naked is bad. Being you is bad. So that's what happened to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of comparison. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of right and wrong. You know how you know who you are by what Scripture says about you, not by what the darkness says about you. The darkness says you aren't good enough. You know who God moves through? The people that believe him. You see, when you agree with God, when we line up with God, that's what repentance the word means. It means thinking the same as God thinks. When you look at yourself and say, God, I was perfectly created to bring food to my friends. 
I know all that stuff. Listen, you know the stuff is true. But I'm not going to judge myself by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to line up with him. And when you do that, God gives you. God gets up and he gives you as much as you need. Now, Jesus doesn't stop there because he's describing who God is. He goes on in verse 9. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Who does God open the doors to? The people who see themselves the way God sees them. The people who search the scriptures and find themselves in the scripture and say, you know what? That's me. That's not how I behaved. You see, guilt and shame comes from what things you do. It's not who you are. God says he created you in his image, perfectly created to have for his presence to rest in. He loves living inside of you. And he created you. Unless you don't believe scripture. Well, and that's a little harsh. Well, it is a little harsh. Do you believe what the scripture says or do you believe what the world says? Well, there's a battle going on inside of us every day. And it's about what we believe. You know, I love that when when Paul made that point. It's about what you believe. What do you believe about yourself? I believe God created you to bring food to people that are starving and hungry. Now, for some of you, it's being kind. For some of you, it's giving. For some of you, it's just a word. For some of you, it's serving in your job. It's cooking food for your family. It's cleaning. It's, it looks a thousand different ways. But God moves whenever we trust him. You see, he said, I didn't give them the bread because of friendship. I gave it to them because they weren't ashamed of who they are. They believe me. They believe in my son and the power of what he did on the cross and the resurrection. Do you believe in the power of what Jesus did? He wants to give you all things. You and I determine what, we, what he gives us by what we believe. Then he says this crazy thing. He says, which of you fathers, you guys, if your son asked for a fish, would you give him a poisonous snake instead? No. You know what y'all are doing? You see, it's about us. Christmas isn't about us. It's about our friends, our family, our kids. It's about others. And God, I need, I know several people in our church, Alan and Phil, they have a burden for disabled veterans and, and the mental health that's going on with our veterans. A burden for it. They need bread. Those guys need bread. God perfectly equipped you to give it to them. Your neighbors need bread. The students in Cabot High School need bread. The guys in jail need bread. The addicts, they need bread. You know what? Do you believe what God says about you? That's what determines whether God gives them bread or not. It's all God. It was all Jesus. It's all the Holy Spirit. And he decided to live in your flesh and my flesh. So, which of you fathers, if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who seek him? Guys, sometimes we get focused on the gift and we worry about the gift. Like we're going to pray for the sick. We do it all the time. We pray for the broken. We pray for the homeless. We pray. And you know, sometimes the sick don't get healed. Sometimes you don't get the car you've been wanting. Sometimes the the hard things, we face them. God doesn't take us out of the circumstances. Sometimes he doesn't. You know what? I think sometimes, you know what we do? We get so focused on the, the things that we forget that God gives the Holy Spirit to everybody. I may or may not win the lottery, but I will get the Holy Spirit without measure. You see, when you pray for people, when you serve, when you touch people, God's going to give them more than physical stuff. He literally gives himself to people. You know what those people need? They need him. Because he's peace. He's joy. He's love. He's perseverance. He's faithfulness. He's deliverance. He heals the sick, raises the dead. They need Jesus. And I think Christmas sometimes will get our focus off of him and get it onto things. And then we begin to doubt ourselves and judge ourselves. Jesus said, I'm going to give me. And then he says in Colossians 3, Paul says this. And Paul was so much a person who fought the battle, the good fight, you know. He said in verse 2 of Colossians 3, Well, it's verse 1. That's the whole thing. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on thing above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And the Bible says you're seated with Christ at the right hand of God. Fight that battle. Believe that. And then he said this. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Let's don't sing Santa Claus is coming to town anymore in our hearts. It's okay for a song. It's just a dumb Christmas song. It's a great tune. It gets stuck in my head. He's coming to town. Going to find out who's naughty and nice. Don't live that way. That's not from above. That's from below. That's the tree of the knowledge of right and wrong. Paul said, don't set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And the devil will constantly try to bring up everything that will discount that and negate that and cut the power of that out of your life. When the whole time God said, we're here to be a blessing to the world. And what will stop that, you know what stops God from moving in your life? Is when you don't believe him. That stops it. When you believe those negative thoughts, those negative words, those negative judgments, when you take your mind off of things above, right now, God sees you, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's who God says you are. Now, our battle is to believe it. So this morning, he wants you to experience that. He wants you to hear it. He wants you to experience yourself. You see, knowledge won't get you there. Revelation will get you there. 
An encounter with the living God will get you there. And that's, that's the only thing that will do it. So you begin to search the scripture. You begin to pray. You begin to spend time with God. You do what, what Kelly said is really true. You get, get Kelly or Lisa to lay hands on you. Why? Because you need their knowledge? No, you need the same spirit that works in them to be activated in you. And then you'll become a giver and you'll find the amazing beauty of giving. Or you can obey the law and we can make you promises about stuff. I would rather make see him come inside of you. Who cares about stuff? When you have him, you have stuff. More than stuff. So this morning, I, I just want you to believe. And I want you to have an encounter with him. So when we have our ministry time, I really do hope. See, that's where it all started. Genesis 2. Adam and Eve. Our world tries to teach us that guilt and shame are where the power comes from. Jesus said believing is where the power comes from. Not guilt and shame. If you're struggling with shame and guilt, we want to pray with you. You need to hear from him. If you're struggling with hopelessness, we want to bring you to an encounter with him. And he'll come. He'll come. When you're trying to help people, when you believe who you are, he will give the loaves. He'll give the bread to them. That's what really matters about Christmas. It's not what you get, it's what you give away. And we're giving away something much more valuable than stuff. We really are. So I, I believe, I think you guys give away a whole lot more than you know you do. I could point it out. I could, like, say names, and I think about you, and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That, she's amazing. He's amazing. Now, I just, my prayer is that you'll realize who you are. That veil will be gone, like Paul prayed for us. So, amen. So, if you could, if you can, uh, stand up with me. We're going to pray. Christmas is all about Jesus. It's not about you being naughty or nice. <laughs> and it's not just about him. Well, I mean, I do not think I in any way devalue what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. He was the first. He was the second Adam. He was the first human that the Holy Spirit and God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were able to live in. Now, Jesus wants to live in you. Do you believe? If you do, he lives in you. Him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's exciting. Uh, Christmas is special. So uh, let's pray. And we got teams up here that will want to pray with you. And I think it's a big deal. If, if you want to feel his presence, uh, Allow, allow these guys to pray with you or ask somebody you're sitting by to pray with you because he lives inside of everybody in this room. They all know him. You can get bread from any of his kids. You really can. So, Father, I just thank you that uh, Christmas has always been about Jesus and it's all about Jesus now, God. And, God, I just ask you to open our eyes to see every place where we judge ourselves where we 
condemn ourselves, every place where guilt has literally become our friend. And Jesus, I just ask, I just command all of our eyes to open and to see the truth about who we are. That we're sons and daughters of the King. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're born of the same womb as your son. God, I just thank you that uh, there's no guilt, there's no shame in you. God, I just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for, and use us this week, God. We want to be a blessing. We want to be able to provide bread for all of our friends and our families. Just thank you, King. Amen. Thank you for being here. Uh, Love each other. Meet somebody you don't know. And uh, next week will be fun. So come ready to have fun next Sunday morning with the kids. Amen. All right. God bless you guys.